Hey, hey, it's your girl, Carla Renata. We are back for episode 40 of Black Tomatoes here at Black Hollywood Live with our special guests, Philip Boutte Jr. and Marvel Mania. Stay tuned. I was like, I was. Well, if I was, I was not awake, I'm awake now. I was so distracted by Scott going, "Whoa, that is loud!" <laughs> I was like, "What is happening right now?" Hello, everybody. Welcome back to episode 40 of Black Tomatoes here at Hollywood. Hollywood. Black Hollywood Live. See, he got me off a clip. I can't even remember the name of the Dagum Network. <laughs> I am your host, Carla Renata, and joining me today are... Scott Menzel, lovely to be here as always. Cool. And we have a very special guest in the house, Mr. Philip Boutte Jr. Hello, thank you guys for having me. And we will get to him in a second. (laughs) But right now, what you're hearing in the background is Out of Sight by The Boogie. It is the theme song or one of many songs that are played in Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, baby. And we are about to talk about that. But before we do, how was your week, my brother? Pretty good, pretty good. Very busy, just like yours. And uh, <laughs> lots of interviews, but it was it was a fun week. Yeah? It was a fun week, for how sure. How about you, Philip? Wonderful. Lots That's of, all you got to say to lot, me, wonderful? wonderful. <laughs> lots of Christmas stuff. So I took my daughter, we went and we got our Christmas tree, and we kind of did Christmassy things. Very nice. <laughs> <laughs> all right, but before we get, again, before we get into the interview, I want you to explain to people very quickly before we get to you mm-hmm. what exactly a costume concept designer is. Because when I first met you, I didn't know what that was either. Okay. So my job is I work directly with costume designers for film, motion picture, television, etc. And I am the one that visually shows what it is that their ideas are to come across the screen before the costumes get approved. So if you're doing a superhero, I work with a costume designer. We design different things. Visually, I put them down, you know, on the computer, figure out what that's going to look like. That goes to producer, director, studio. They approve it. And then we start to go in and make the costume. Ooh, that sounds lovely. Yeah. <laughs> so um, for for those of you that are joining us, I met Philip through a sister named Monique, a publicist named Monique, mm-hmm. and she was doing something special for a specialized project they were doing in conjunction with Black Panther, and that is how I met Philip, and we have been ace boom coons ever since. Yes, we have. <laughs> <laughs> we really kind of have. We, like, holler at each other on social media all the time. It's really kind of lovely. So, um, but we'll get back to Philip in a minute. So you just okay. sit and lay in the yeah. cut while we talk about <laughs> Spider-Man and the, into the Spider-Verse. <laughs> I okay. First of all, I'm like superhero girl. I love superhero movies. Yes, you I really do. do. Yes, you and do. And I kind of love the super Superman, the Spider Man franchise. But I particularly love Spider Man Into the Spider Verse franchise because they are introducing a new character that has been in the comic books for years, but they never brought this one to the big screen, and they did it in an animated version, and not like what you know people running around, you know, real live people, but they did it in the animated form, which. I was living for and they're doing it in the form of Miles Morales I love this so much it was so much fun it was emotional it was action-packed it was I think it was probably one of the it was probably other than other than Black Panther it was probably one of the best like superhero movies I've seen in a while it was really good I really enjoyed it I was sitting next to um, a member of our organization whose name shall remain nameless because I don't want to put him on blast, but he was boohooing. 
Oh, yeah? And I was like, ooh, no. It's it's making people verklempt. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> and then another, another film critic that we know, uh, who shall re- remain nameless, this critic said that they cried three times. I'm like, oh, it's invoking emotion out of people. Wow. I was not moved to tears. No, I'm, I was know, not either. I was not moved to tears, but I, I was, I was, I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. I had a good time. How about you? I, I you know, the more I think about this movie, the more I like it. Mm-hmm. The animation style is just phenomenal. This is something that you have not seen done before. No. And it's pretty spectacular. Some of the movie looks like it's 3D, even though the movie is not in mm-hmm. 3D. And I thought that was pretty um, pretty remarkable. Um, what, what I love about this movie is that it, it's very much a fanboy movie for part of it, but then just a celebration of all things Marvel for the other half of it. That's why we do a Marvel movie. Right, yeah. yeah. And, and I just, I just, I really enjoyed that aspect of this film and spe- especially the, that scene that, that what this movie is all about, where all the different Spider-Man characters come together. <laughs> that, that was when the movie like took it to the next level for me. And I really loved that. I loved that. I, and I, I, it was, it was bittersweet but kind of endearing all at the same time to see Stan Lee make another cameo. Like I was like oh there's Stan Lee but oh there's Stan Lee. You know what I mean? It was very exciting. They invented invented. they introduced um (laughs) they introduced Gwen Stacy and they introduced I love that all the people that were doing all the voices were these people that don't normally do yes. voiceovers. Yes, yes. Like Peter Parker was done by Jake Johnson from New Girl. Yep. Okay, so John Mulaney yes, as the pig. You yes, know, like, Mahershala Ali really? is Uncle yeah. Aaron. Right. Like it was just really interesting. But full disclosure about Jake Johnson. So, <laughs> and you will see this in my review on my site. But oh my goodness. So, I I've said many times that I act sometimes and. One day, I was on the set of New Girl, guest starring there, and I was in a scene with Jake Johnson where I had to kiss him, and it was my first on-screen kiss. So I was like, what's going to happen when he walks in this room? Because it's been a minute since I've seen him, and I know he's not going to remember, because, you know, when you have guest stars coming on your show, people come and go every week for years. There's no way you're going to remember all these people. But I'm like, but I have that kind of face that I knew. Like, how many black people over the course of the time that show was on the air were on that show guest starring? I'm just saying. <laughs> so I'm just saying. So I was like, okay. So we're sitting there. We're sitting there. And, and we're asking these questions. And he and I can tell on the look on his face, he's looking. He's got that look like, why do I know no, her? Yeah. Yeah. Why do I know her? And I really didn't want to go there. But I could see every time I open my mouth, he'd just be like, look at, he'd be looking at me like, hmm. So finally, I was like, okay. So full disclosure, this is how you know me. Because you're looking at me like you think you know me. He was like, did we work together or something? He said, because I really do. I know your face. And then when I told him where I knew him from, he's like, oh, thank goodness, because he said he thought he was crazy. He said he thought he was going crazy. So I thought I was, you know, like, did we have a really bad night together? Was it a one-night stand? Like, what happened? It was like this whole thing. It was hilarious. But I love that they used him. I love that Brian Tyree Henry is one of the yes. voices. Lily Tomlin, Luna Lauren Velez, who is... who full disclosure, was one of the chorus members in the first nation, first international tour of Dreamgirls. And I, I met her and her sister. She has a twin sister. Her twin sister was on New York Undercover. Wow. And on Dexter. Her twin sister was on those two shows. Wow. So I was like, oh, okay. This It's really interesting because they look, they're identical. They look exactly alike. 
but Luna is a little more fluffy and a little more like this. And Lauren is a little more, what's the adjective? She's a little more grit. She's a a grittier version of the oh. two of them is the best way to say that. She's just grittier. You know, she like, she got her mouth like a truck driver. Like she's that chick. And Luna's kind of like, hi, <laughs> how are you? It's, it's a very different thing happening. But Zoe Kravitz is doing Mary Jane's voice. You mentioned John Mulaney. Haley Steinfeld. Nicholas Cage is Nicholas the, yeah. the Spider Man noir. Well, well, this is the weird thing right now. Like, <laughs> which was hilarious. Like we saw the other movie earlier this year. Teen, teen Titans go to the mm-hmm. movies, and he was Superman in that movie. <laughs> it's like has Nicholas Cage found his new his new acting gig? He's like he has to do voiceover work now. I'm just I think saying, that's it. he's getting it on. Yeah, yeah, he is getting his thing on. But I really. I really thoroughly enjoyed this movie. Um, they that they, they kept messing around with the release dates for this a little bit, but I think they finally settled on a release date of dun, da, 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 December fourteenth. Yeah. So that comes. That's next weekend, I believe. Which next is, Saturday, which is very smart on their their behalf. No, next because, Friday. Yeah. Because I mean, it's going up against Mortal Engines, which this movie is going to slaughter that movie at the box office. I'm oh, telling you that right now. Yep. No, don't mm-hmm. say that. Yep. Mm-hmm. Spidey's got to prevail. Yeah, yeah. No, Sp- no, Spidey's oh, going to prevail. You, no, 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 Spidey is going to. Spidey is going to is going to like knock that. I right thought, out of the park. I thought you were saying Spidey was going <laughs> to no, get no, no, crushed. No, I was no, like, no, oh, no, no. Mortal Engines is going to get crushed very badly gonna... by Spider-Man. I thought, oh, why are we yeah. clowning Spidey? No, no, okay. no, 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 no. <laughs> okay. Come on, you got to know but Venom, which wasn't even good, killed everything at the box office. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and leave it to Scott to bring it back around. <laughs> you are hilarious. You're welcome. Oh, my God. You got jokes. Hold <laughs> on. We got to give a shout out to director Peter Ramsey. Yes, Peter Ramsey, the director of Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Because also, not only did he come and do this one, but he also, I believe, don't quote me, but I believe he's the first the first black uh, director to do a feature over $100 million for DreamWorks with Guardians. That is oh, correct. Wow. Okay. That is correct. You are. And I interviewed him, too. Oh, there we go. <laughs> there, there we go. I interviewed the, him, too. The, the holiday one? Yes. Oh, I love that movie. It I feel amazing. like no, no one really talked about that movie, but I really loved it. The Jack Frost character and everything. I love Peter. One. Kind of flies yeah. under the radar, he, though. He's oh, hilarious. Oh no, he's super under the he's radar. So he's so under the radar. Guy. He walks in the room. He's like, "Yo, what's up?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he just kind of like, flies under the radar. I'm like, "Y'all got jokes." Let me give a shout out to some people that we got in the chat room. We got my boy Michael B, who is a constant, and we got Cup of Soul Show. What's up, y'all? Thank you for joining us for Black Tomatoes here at Black Hollywood Live, and now. We are going to go back to our guest, Mr. <laughs> Philip Boutte Jr. in the house. So, Philip, I know I asked you this before, but there are people that weren't privy to that conversation. Okay. How did you get involved in being a costume concept designer? Um, I, I went to Comic-Con right out of school. So I was you know, studying illustration at Cal State Long Beach. Um, in the illustration program, and I wanted to use my illustration talents in film, and I knew I wanted to do that in some way. So when I graduated, I went to Comic-Con in San Diego, um, and they had a panel of costume designers from Local 892, the Costume Designers Guild, all big designers from different you know, films, so Harry Potter, Narnia, just different ones, right? Wow. And um, so me and my friends were there, and we said, you know what, let's show our portfolio. So we went and we showed our portfolios. After the panel, they had like a little autograph section. 
And we went down the line and just showed our portfolios from our, you know, college, you know, our college books. And one of my friends, Oksana, she's a really great watercolor painter. So the designer from Narnia took her card, you know, and we didn't think anything of it. So we leave and next the next week, you know, we're just doing our thing. We're out of school trying to do the college, like, what am I going to do with my life thing, you <laughs> <Right>? know? And <laughs> Oksana, Oksana gets the call that says, you know, it was Isis Musenden who did Narnia. And she said, hey, you know, how would you like to come to Prague with me for eight months to do Narnia too? So Oksana calls me and she says, I got a job. And I was like, what happened? She, she tells me. And so I said, you know what? I'm going to join the guild too. So I joined the guild. Oh, no. And I got a call the next month by uh, Sonia Hayes um, to do the, what was it? The Mummy 3 with Jet Li. Mm. So then that was my first job. And I did that for like six months. Got to go to Montreal, see the set, do everything. Like, so it was like a big, you know, for me, it's it was a, a big, big deal. deal. Um, and then from that point on, my friend Brian, the other guy that was with us, he joined the guild seeing that we had jobs. And he got Star Trek, the reboot of Star Trek. So wow. then they needed another illustrator. And he brought me onto that. So from straight out of school, going to Comic-Con and then getting into the guild, I've been working ever since. That's incredible. You never hear that. Isn't that bananas? <laughs> you never hear that. That's that, bananas. That is, that is bananas. Um, you know, I, my my first question to you is, you've you've worked on what is it like over seventy projects at this point now? Um, which one was the most difficult for you to work on? Which one required the most skills and like re- revisions and things of that nature? I think most difficult with in terms of job that I can remember was Man of Steel. Um, because man is still for me was a transitional and like every artist has transitional periods, right? Where you're learning and man of still was a big push for me. Not only, um, it was professionally challenging, but also artistically challenging to try and figure out a style and how to do a lot of the stuff. So before that point I had had more like a kind of like a fashion illustration or traditional style art to my work where I was still kind of drawing with pencil, doing watercolor, scanning into the computer. And then I was, you know, drawing and putting fabrics into the computer. That was kind of my experience up until Man is Still. Then I started working with some really great concept artists. I was working with Constantine Sakaris and Ed Natividad, Warren Manser, Keith Christensen, all of those guys, they're really talented, but they all had like a leap up in terms of like they had been working in the computer. So then I started using photographs and painting and it was a, it was a big challenge for me. But I think I was on that project for like four months, possibly. And that was the first time my work shifted into feeling more realistic. Wow. That's pretty incredible. So I happen to know that. So when we first met. There's this actress named Denise Boutte. So the first thing I, the first thing I said was, are you related to Denise Boutte? Because that's my girl. He's like, no relation, no relation. We have met her. She's very sweet. <laughs> but I also happen to know that you were an actor. Yes. Previously. So what made you, because I know for actors, for us, it can be a little, especially as a person of color, it can be a little tricky because you get relegated to certain roles. So when you decided to leave acting was that part of your decision to to transition out of it was that you were being relegated to certain roles as opposed to what you wanted to play definitively so (laughs) that's a good question definitively um i was an actor from like three until around 16 or 17 so i pretty much stayed in i was doing commercials and i did some television spots and all that and i was kind of working and that's what i wanted to be it was an actor i said i'm gonna you know that's what i'm gonna dedicate myself to um, but that transition from like, you know, when you're being a young, like a, like a young actor to a teen is difficult in itself, but then it also comes with excitement, right? So it's mm-hmm. like, now I'm driving, so I'm driving to my auditions and I'm getting auditions for stuff that I recognize. So it's like, oh, come to do New York Undercover. And I'm like, great. So I go and I go to New York Undercover and I got my, get my sides and I start reading them and I'm like, they're like, okay, 
you're a gang member and you get shot and then everybody helps turn your life around. And I'm like, all right. All right. And then they say, okay, well, now let's do uh, ER. And I'm like, oh, ER. You're going to be on ER. Go get my sides. It's like, so you're a gang member and you get hit by a car and then everybody helps turn your life around. I'm like, this is the same person over and over and over again. And I think that I experience wise, it's a challenge to play roles that you're not familiar with. But at the same time, I always looked for that like kind of gold line where. I was like, where are the people that are like me, like have both parents going to school, getting good grades? Like, where's that guy? Or can I play someone similar to that guy? And the roles kept kind of coming in to where it wasn't that guy. It was a very stereotypical guy. And I got really frustrated. I remember being young and really frustrated about it. And I decided, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to, I don't want to do that now. I think what I'll do is I'll drop back and maybe I can find something that I like to do that helps me storytell or I can, I can be a change in this. I can go and find a way to go back under and say, I'm going to tell that story as opposed to complaining about it. Let me see if I can find it. Um, and a, one thing that I knew that I always had done in my trailer, cause my parents were very protective cause they didn't want me to get into like, you know, hanging out with adults when I was younger and stuff. So I would sit in my trailer and do my homework and draw. So that's kind of where I said, you know, I'm going to go to college and I'm actually going to use my illustration talents to see if I can kind of storytell and kind of come back full circle so cut to Black Panther and <laughs> You better use my terminology. Yeah, yeah. Cut, cut to <laughs> Cut to Black Panther and um, and a wrinkle in time with Ava DuVernay. That was a big turning point for me because I, I could see the change. I could see those roles starting to come full circle. So it was a it, there was a very that in that year I did both those projects at the same time, going back and forth between the two. Um with costume designer Paco Delgado and uh, Ruth Carter. Okay. Yeah. So what's, what's your nickname for Ruth? Truth. <laughs> and why you call her that? Because she is the absolute truth. <laughs> That's my girl. I love her to death. She's the sweetest person. Um, uh, very um, uh, genuine. Um, but also, she has a big heart. And she, she tries to share as much as possible. So with this project in particular, it was good to kind of work with her and see her kind of balance things and then also bring her knowledge because she has a wealth of knowledge, especially about black culture and just like African culture to kind of funnel that into what this could be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's talk about some of these designs. I want to talk about the motherland queen mother queen design mother. first and um, talk about how you and Ruth collaborated on that look for Angela Bassett. Okay. So the first thing we did was we, she said she wanted her to look stately, elegant, all of those things. And at the time Angela wasn't cast yet. So we just knew she needed to be an eloquent woman. Mm -hmm. So we looked at different shapes. Like the hat shape was one of the first things that we found. And it was supposed to be like kind of a stately, um, uh, motherly but very like queen shape right mm-hmm. um, and then the shape of the shoulder the shoulder fan was mm-hmm. another one that we found so I think we we had referenced like a Gareth Pugh who's a fashion designer kind of shape so we went with that with those two elements first and then Ruth started to infuse the history into what those were so like what does this hat shape mean uh, what textures can I play on it what symbols can I put on it that represent you know power um, womanhood um, motherhood those types of things um, and so we kind of started from there and then once Angela was cast, we're just like, well, that, you can't get a better gift. <laughs> can't than get a having, better queen mother yeah, than Angela can't get a better. So we just knew that you, when you put her in that, she's going to own it. Um, mm-hmm. And then from there, we contacted a uh, um, uh, designer. Um, I call her like a digital cutter fitter, but she's more than that. She's like a digital like uh, 
3D artist, mm-hmm. um, Julia Corner, who um, has done work with Iris Van Herpen, another famous fashion designer, right? Or, and does her own collections of 3D printed stuff. So when we gave her the general silhouette and the drawings that I had done, then she went and she created algorithms for within the shapes to 3D print and print out these garments. That oh, my she goodness. All of this goes into these designs? All of that goes wow. into it. Wow. That's a lot. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about the look for... Is it Dora Malaji? Dora Malaj. Dora Malaj. Yeah. See, just I just butchered that all the way, <laughs> all the way down. So let's talk about that look for a second. I love that look. So that look that I would be remiss to not call out uh, my my good buddy at Marvel's visual development department, uh, Anthony Francisco. Anthony started the, kind of the pipeline. They have a visual development team. Uh, I think for this one, it was run by Ryan Minerding mm-hmm. at a visual development. And they have a team of artists that sit at Marvel and everyone, they start with the comic book, right? Which is why you end up getting characters that really feel like, you know, the, the, the source material. Push your microphone oh. up a little bit. There you go. Uh, that feel like the source material. So mm-hmm. once they started to go, um, Anthony started to do different passes at the Dora Milaje themselves, different ones. And then we in the costume department were also doing our own, me and Keith Christensen with Ruth, just kind of funneling and trying to find this this uh, this uh, balance. But Anthony's design was the one that ended up getting approved and done. And then once we got that initial feeling of it and that was approved and he had put a lot of his personal influences into it, it gets passed to us. Then what Ruth did is she takes it from there and starts to develop what those things mean. So she's looking at beads from different tribes and saying, these beads mean power. These beads mean um, uh, um, uh, beauty, mm-hmm. um, adorn, adornment, um, that type of deal. So she tried to, to influence what those things were, what those patterns are, um, and then got the costumes kind of made and then kind of funneled into this very powerful, you know, costume that you see along with, you know, making the choices to use the different color palettes of the reds and the browns and the oranges and the, that type of deal. So it was like it was a full process where it started with Marvel, comes to us, goes down the line, and then we have all these beautiful costume people like uh, the costume makers at Bill Hargate Costumes, Mary Ellen, um, that kind of help fuse everything all together to see what to get to the point where you see it on screen. And let me thank you ahead of time for forwarding some of these illustrations. If you guys go to the YouTube channel, you will see those illustrations on the YouTube version of Black Tomatoes. But that is why I'm asking Philip to describe in greater detail verbally for those of you listening on iTunes and and Spotify so that you can visualize with your own two ears what those those designs may um, have come to fruition in. Um, Let's talk a little bit about Jabari Elder, the white one. Jabari Elder. Oh, the Jabari Elder. So mm-hmm. in that, in those, those are just general passes at trying to figure out. We knew that we were going to have the different, like uh, the Jabari with the wood. So it was trying to figure out, like, if they have elders, because every tribe has one, what would that look like? So mm-hmm. we were playing with different shapes that we had found and kind of trying to find stately ones. But then also um, some of the chess pieces that you end up seeing on the Jabari, they're kind of carved, made to look like wood. And that chess shape um, in the comic in the comic, they kind of worship like like apes or gorillas, right? So it's like there's kind of that there's that play, very subtle because we want to offend anybody. But it was basically in the comic that type of deal. So we took the chest shape of a gorilla and sculpted this kind of shelf. Which when you oh, look wow. at the way that their sh- their chest look, it's it's that type of deal, um, or the anatomy slightly different than ours. It kind of creates this weird little like kind of plated shelf. So you right. can see that in the costume along with then with the elders kind of mir- mirrored that, or they had like wooden shapes around their necks to kind of give them a little bit of a longer neck. So Philip, I am so impressed with you right now. <laughs> I'm like, because honestly you, uh, I, and I don't know about you, Scott, but you know, 
you you innately know that there's a lot of thought and a lot of history mm-hmm. and a lot of research that goes into developing these costumes. And when we watch it as a movie consumer, it's in the back of your mind, but you don't really think about it. So to have you here talking about it at length and really breaking it down, I cannot tell you how much I appreciate it. And I will never look at a film well, the, the other way, uh, the same way again, ever. With that being said, I mean, the, this is the thing that makes Black Panther so remarkable mm-hmm. is the... And the attention to detail in every single one of the costumes. I mean, that's something that when I went back to see it a second and third time that I really started focusing on is the attention to detail that went into it. And, you know, thinking about, you know, I looked up some of the films that you were a part of, like just thinking of the costumes of, of, of like, oh, the buttons here or like you were talking about the beads. Like that's stuff that people like us, we start paying attention to when we visit. And I think more people need to appreciate that when they go to the movies and see how much hard work goes into this you know my question that i had for you is you know doing all this work for black panther uh how many revisions did you have to go through oh there's revisions galore like for all the artists working involved we go through i mean sometimes like you'll label it like uh you label your work like you know, like uh, like Dora Milaje A, and then B, and then C, and then you end up at like S, and, <laughs> and then it's like S one, S two, and then you. Then we always joke about it. It'll be like, okay, this one's approved, so it's like final, and they're like, wait, change this, and you're like, final, 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 final A, final, final. You know, it just keeps going. So there's there's tons of revisions for us, um, but ultimately at the end, once they approve and they settle on something, then it kind of moves down to all the craftspeople involved, and we have people that just you know take it to. So you've got like cutter fitters and tailors. And there's a lot of jobs that people don't know. There's ager dyers. They're the people that make clothes look like they're not new. So they're the ones that take them and age them down or put battle marks in them or just something simple. Like they buy a new pair of shoes and knowing that the character's worn them, they take them and stretch them out and bend them. Um, so I'll give a shout out to Jack Taggart, one of the one of the better ones, you know. Um, uh, but it's one of those things where they they there's jobs that you don't see that end up going to where the costumes finally come. It's not just someone making it. It's a whole process, a full full artistic process to get there, um, along with all the research. Like, there's tons of research that we do for these costumes. Absolutely. The chat room has some questions for you. Yeah. So they want to know, what is your dream project that you'd like to work on? Um, dream project. That's hard. I think anything that kind of pushes the, the narrative. I love Afrofuturism right now. So I think if anything mm. like that, like, I know there's a... I'm going to butcher this because I can't say it now because I'm on the spot. It's Children of Children of Blood and Bone, I think, is a book. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't remember the author's name. I feel horrible about it. But I would love to work on something along the lines of that where it kind of pushes these. Because we have this untapped market of Afrofuturism or even just taking, like, black culture and elevating it um, to something we haven't seen before. Because one of the things I think um, that Black Panther broke that I was happy for was I feel like a lot of the times, even with, like, black sci-fi, we're not really in it that often. But when we do get it they don't play like we were always grounded in some way to where we don't get the sky's the limit so it's like if the sky's the limit is like going to space it's like we just protected our neighborhood or something like it's like i want to <laughs> to really push it up you know it's always like well let's ground them first so it's like oh it's like you go back it's like oh there's slavery and then there's you know or there's 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 the struggle of like being poor and in the hood and that seems to be where they start black characters always like there's this oh, yeah. grounding and i'm just like well why can't like if i'm a superhero why am i only saving a few blocks or saving my community why can't i save the world like mm. that's what black panther really for me did was like it's like they had their own stuff their own thing and i think that that's something if i can work on projects that kind of help elevate that it really is untapped 
You are mm-hmm. such an evolved brother. I love it. <laughs> one other question comes. That question came from Michael B. This one comes from Cup of Soul Show. They want to know, what is your favorite costume that you have assisted in uh, doing con- costume concept designs for? I think the one that comes to mind right away with that one is actually from Hunger Games with that Trish Somerville, um, costume designer Trish Somerville, because it was one of the first times that I saw something that I had done printed out where I knew I had affected it in a really um, way. The dress that she wears when she, um, the Mockingjay dress, when she turns around and it's blue and then it turns into the wedding dress. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That one, um, Trish gave me, we were going and she really, she knew she wanted it to be blue and elegant and she knew she wanted it to flow and catch the wind so that when she spun around it would move. Um, but pattern wise, we were trying to figure out what would actually be on that dress. So I took, um, I think it's an Alawan peacock. It's like a specific type of peacock bird. And I took all these pictures from Google and I you know, was cutting out different patterns of feathers and all that. And I did this like real symmetrical kind of cool pattern. Um, and then took some, um, outlines of bird wings because of, I knew that she'd have the bird wings and I put those in a layer that kind of went around and wrapped around her from the back to the front. So it goes around the whole thing. Mm. And that was just something that me and Trish were going back and forth on. But it was an idea, excuse me, it was an idea of just trying to get that general feeling. And then what I didn't recognize is usually conceptual, it's like an idea, right? So you use that idea to sell. But that design, that thing ended up being printed on the dress. So that thing I did in my computer is what she actually wears. And when I saw it, for the first time, that was one of the more powerful moments for me in costume design where I said, that, that, that's that thing. And it was a really cool moment um, that I could share with Trish and just kind of say, like, I was really grateful for that. But also, it allowed me to see kind of where I was going, that the things that I'm doing I actually do affect or show up or show up on screen. So that was probably my favorite. Do you get an opportunity to see... How soon in advance of a public screening do you get an opportunity to see your work in the final film? Sometimes, sometimes while we're going and then sometimes like I'm just like everybody else, like sometimes there's films where it's just like because my job is so uh, early, like my job is usually pre-production or when when, you know, it just starts. So I'll work on something for the first three or four months that they start and then I move to something else and then they go off and they start filming. So mm. unless I'm working on something really long or they're, they're manufacturing as I go, I don't really see stuff or I'll see stuff in process. Like I'll see like the, the beginning of the hat shape or the cutter fitters kind of like pattern or like I'll see a garment not in the actual fabric but in something simple. Um, but, you know, when I do get to see it, it's awesome. When you I, – I, I was just thinking about this because you were talking about Hunger Games. Mm-hmm. And – when you have source material where it's illustrated, something like Black Panther, where you can go back through the comics and you can look at the designs of the costumes and you have history, and then you have completely original concepts like something like Greatest Showman where you, you don't really have as much source material to go off of, um, which, which, do you, which do you prefer? Do you like something where you, you actually have stuff that you can go and reference or is it something where you can just develop off the cuff and kind of create something unique? It's kind of a mix of both. I really love research because ultimately as a concept, like when you're doing concept, right, even when you're working with your designer, because the the costume designer has a lot of ideas and they come and they've got full research boards and their complete thought process on what the character is going to be, right? And they're funneling that to you. So I kind of have to read their mind and also kind of figure out what they are trying to show. But I love research because it provides me the means to do my job. Like you can't, drawing to me is understanding. You can't draw what you don't understand. So Mm. you have to, if... 
if I'm not provided with those things, I still have to make up some story in my head in order to draw what it is. So it's like you have to kind of come up with something. So it's like when you are putting together like for Black Panther, right? If you're putting together stuff, it's nice for me to know this tribe, the necklaces and the beads that they have around their neck, they're all given to them by male suitors like throughout their life. And so the more you have, the more beautiful you're considered. Mm. And then if you see the black beads, that means you're either a widow or you're in mourning. Mm. So it's like learning that then makes me realize like, okay, well that inspires me to then do something to the costume. So it's like, I have to at least know where this character comes from or who they are. Or if I don't have to make it up, you know? So for something like Bohemian Rhapsody, it's the complete opposite yeah. end of the spectrum mm-hmm. because those types of rock stars, their their costume is very minimum. So what was the discussion about recreating some of the looks for, say, Rami Malek for uh, Freddie Mercury or the other band members of Queen like Roger and Brian May? So this one's an interesting one. So for Bohemian Rhapsody, that's costume designer Julian Day. Mm-hmm. And we actually have never met. So what ended up happening here is that because they were moving so quickly, I know historically they wanted to try and get out all the costumes exactly right or to, as close to possible while also adding little flourishes to make the film more interesting, right? But they were really true to the source material. I was brought on because they didn't have a specific time where the drawings that they did were very loose to just put bring the drawings to life to promote them, to promote the film. So it's kind of like it's an after effect. Um, but I know that the research that went involved in the costumes, all the research, I got a lot of the source material that they had, and they pulled it directly from, you know, the real stuff. So they tried to cre- recreate those costumes as much as possible. Okay, we got another question. Um, they want to know, how soon are you called to do the concepts for the costume designs during production, when the script is finished or before? Uh so well now now <laughs> more often than not it's like we don't we're usually the script is being written while we're working oh so that's a little bit uh a difficult um sometimes the script is done before but i'm i'm at the very beginning of the process so when the costume designer comes on and they're thinking about their initial things mm-hmm. it's like that's my that's my job so it's like most of the time we're doing it and I, I wish we had scripts more often than not but sometimes we might just have an outline you know, and then the script is being rewritten and rewritten and rewritten. And then it's like, we're just like, okay, so we're just kind of trying to figure stuff out. And then other times we'll have a very detailed um, outline. I think for Black Panther, the script was pretty much, pretty much done, I think, but we were working maybe two months without it being kind of completely done. But for the most part, you know, Ryan and all the team, they knew what they wanted to the point where in our office, we had a full map of Wakanda. We knew where all the tribes lived and all of the different stuff and what the outlines were. And then our whole office was just covered in research from different tribes of Africa. So it just it just depends on what you're working on. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for breaking all of that down because <laughs> I'm telling you. you, I had no No, clue. I had no idea. None. And so it was. it's wonderful to have you here to discuss that. So let's talk about these Golden Globe nominations for a minute. Okay. Um. We know that uh, the best picture, mo- mo- I'm sorry, best mo- motion picture drama um, nominees are Stars Born, Black Panther, woo! Yes, yes. Black Klansman, woo! <laughs> Bohemian Rhapsody, woo! <laughs> if Bill Street could talk, woo! Yes, yes. <laughs> All my favorites. Now, I think I kind of said that these would be yes, coming down the pipe. Yes, so I'm just, yes, I just yes. need to get a little props yeah, for yeah, that. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. I know I said that. I know <laughs> you did, I did. You did. You did. Okay. Um, uh, best motion picture, musical, or comedy, Crazy Rich Asians, which I kind of didn't see coming. The favorite, Green Book, Mary Poppins Returns, and Vice. Let me just say something about Vice. Did you see Vice? I love Vice. Oh, my God. Okay. You didn't mind yet? Mm-mm. 
Okay. It's it's very diversive. I understand that. It's it's gonna it's polarizing. People are not gonna not everyone's gonna like it. I get it. So Philip Vice is this film about Dick Cheney. Mm-hmm. You know, Vice meaning the vice president, right? Mm-hmm. So this it's not okay, let me be clear. It's not that I didn't like it. I just was like it felt it felt very similar to the big short to me. It felt like it maybe it was the, the, the filming style was very similar to the big short to me. But I just same editors and everything. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Casting I, was pretty much maybe the I same. Should, I, maybe I should watch it again. It's it's makeup's it, on point. Yo, my the God. makeup yeah. is on point. It is. Well, it is. I, mean, I did all, see the trailer. In all <laughs> yeah. in all fairness, Carl, I mean it's 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 a very polarizing film. I mean it's 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 hard to watch. It's very jarring the way that it's edited together. Like, I, I didn't mean, have a problem with any of that. Didn't have any? I didn't have a problem with any of that. I didn't. Oh, I feel so bad for saying this because I usually don't say that I don't like something. I'm usually trying to be sunshine rainbows and lollipops, but <laughs> I, I am. But I just, I don't know. I don't know. And then Amy Adams, there's that scene that she has with Dick Cheney in the beginning yeah. of the film where she's saying, "Do I?" Do I need to make another choice because you are not seeming like the person that I that I needed to be? You're making me question my choice, is what she says. And I'm just it that whole monologue that she gives. It's just like I don't know how I, f- <laughs> I don't know how I feel about that. I don't know mm-hmm. how I don't know how I I like Amy Adams and and I like Christian Bale. I actually adore both of them. I, I adore their performances always. But in this film, for some reason, it just I don't even know what it. And, I, I, I just think I just need You're to go back and watch for it. words. I just need to go back and watch. I need to watch it again because I usually watch films two or three times, and this mm-hmm. one I I just watched once, and this is why I watched them three times because the first time I watched them, if I'm feeling some kind of way like I am right now, if I go watch it a second or a third time with other people, you know, then my my. Did you see it in the theater or did you watch your screener? I watched the screener. Probably the reason. See, that's why I said I need to see. Yeah, what, okay. probably the reason. So let me stop talking about Vice and finish going through <laughs> So, best directors, Adam McKay for Vice, Alfonso Cuaron for Roma, Bradley Cooper for Stars Born, Peter Farrelly for Green Book, Spike Lee for, Cl- for Black Klansmen. Um, like I said, I didn't see Vice in that mix because I hadn't seen it, and it was like the mystery film of the year. But the other ones, I don't have a problem with. You. How about you? No. Okay. No. Best performance by an actress in a motion picture drama, Glenn Close. Again, this and I said I said this before. Why, why, yeah, why, yeah, yeah, why yeah. do y'all put stuff in the category saying this is a nominee and the public ain't seen the damn movie? movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The crit half the critics ain't seen, seen, seen the, the damn movie. movie. Yeah. Like, can we see the movie? Yeah, and make I know. A, I haven't seen it. You didn't see it. I'm guessing. Oh, I'm either. so annoyed. Yeah, okay, so there's yeah, that. I Lady know. Gaga for a Star Is Born. Melissa Everyone's McCarthy. Can you ever forgive me? Nicole Kidman for Destroyer and Rosamund Pike for a Private War. So that's that. Best performance by an actress in a motion picture musical or comedy. Constance Wu, Crazy Rich Agents. Again, I predicted. I know I predicted really? this. Really? Okay. If you go back to my tweet right after I saw this movie, I said that she was going to get some okay. love. Okay. I love her. I ain't saying I, she Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Charlize Theron for Telly. Which I'm happy. I like, called I am that. so happy. I know. You and I, you and I both what? did when we talked about that. I know. Because I was like, because I, I tweeted, I'm like, how is Telly not yeah, a part of the I conversation? Know, I, I was so annoyed. Okay. Elsie Fisher for 8th grade, Emily Blunt for Mary Poppins Returns, and Olivia Coleman for The Favorite. I ain't got no problem with any of that. Uh, I got a problem with uh, Ooh, Mary, which po- one? Mary Poppins, but I have a problem Ooh. with that movie in general. So. Ooh, okay, well, uh, we'll talk about, about that, that next week. <laughs> <laughs> you did? Oh, I did. You had problems with it, too? No, I loved it. No. Oh, I was yeah. like, wait, wait. <laughs> Not both of my brothers. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. 
Best performance by an actress in a supporting role. Um, Amy Adams for Vice. Mm. Claire Foy for First Man. Yeah, okay. Nah. Emma Stone, the favorite. Yes. Rachel Weisz, the favorite. Yes. Regina King of Bill Street. That's a very... Unpro- I'm uh, not surprised you, by any King. of that. But, uh, but, I, but I ain't surprised Claire by any Foy? of that. Claire Foy? Really? Uh, Claire Foy uh, was the... Claire uh, Foy... I said this here. Claire Foy was the best thing about the First Man to I me. Because I, I was like, that really? Movie. First Man? Okay. Oh, yeah. um, best performance by an actor. Bradley Cooper, Stars Born. John David Washington, Black Klansman. Lucas Hedges for Boy Erase. Rami Malek, Bohemian Rhapsody, and Willem Dafoe for At, At Eternity's Gate. Willem Dafoe, I didn't see coming, but I'm excited to see that movie to see what's happening with him. It's good. Um, best performance by an actor, musical or comedy, Christian Bale, Vice, John C. Riley, Stan and Ollie, Lin Manuel Miranda, Mary Poppins Returns, Robert Redford, The Old Man and the Gun, Viggo Mortensen, Green Book. I have a problem with that, but I think that. Uh, John C. Riley and Christian Bale's uh, slots could have been swapped for somebody else, like um, Michael B. Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always gonna vote. Chadwick Boseman. Just saying. Um, best. Did before- you see Stan Ollie? I did see Stan and Ollie. I really loved it. I loved it too, but mm, okay. Best performance. <laughs> we'll talk about that next week too. Uh, best performance by an actor in a supporting role uh, is Adam Driver for Black Klansman. Finally, he put they put him in yeah. the. Like, I know, I know, I know. Oh, you should have heard me. I went off. I was like, "What the hell?" Okay. Um, uh, Mahershala Ali for Green Book. Richard E. Grant. Can you ever forgive me? Sam Rockwell. Vice. Timothy Chalamet for Beautiful Boy. For, I, for Vice in this category, I am very upset that Steve Carell didn't get put into that category because yeah. I thought he was, he was much he, better. Above the two of them, he yeah. was better. Best screenplay is Vice, Roma, If Beale Street Could Talk, The Favorite, and Green Book. I don't have no problem with any of that. No, no Vice. Mm. Um, best original score, uh, Isle of Dogs, Black Panther, Quiet Place, First Man, Mary Poppins Returns. Mm. No Beale Street for that one. No Beale Street, which is, which is kind of a travesty. Because that was like the best score of the year, in my opinion. That's just like a travesty. Um, best original song... Uh, all the stars from Black Panther, Girl in the Movies, Dumplin', Requiem for a Private War, Private War, Revelation, Boy Race, Shallow, Stars Born. Not surprised by that. Nope. Um, motion Picture Animated, Incredibles 2, Isle of Dogs, Mariah, Ralph Breaks the Internet, Spider Man, Into the Spider Verse. Not surprised by that. Nope. Foreign Language, Capernaum Girl, Never Look Away, Roma, Shoplifters. Not surprised nope. by any of those. Best Television Series, The Americans. Um, on FX, Bodyguard on Netflix, Homecoming on Amazon. I told you at Homecoming was going to get some I love. know, I know. Um, Killing Eve on BBC <laughs> America, Pose on FX, Television Series, Barry, The Good Place, Kidding, The Kaminsky Method, The Marvelous Mrs. May. I don't know why The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel gets love all the time. You don't right? like it? Mm-mm. No, mm. I like it. I like it. Um, but I'm, I'm being. I, I am the Scott for it's, this it's episode. Okay. Oh my it's god! Okay. I am the Scott for this episode. Okay, it's all right. I, I love when she's like this. Uh-huh. It makes me so happy. Whatever. When I, Scott. Whenever I hear her say like I don't like something on air, I'm like, yes, Carla. Yes, okay. I know. Best television limited series: uh, A Very English Scandal, The Alienist, The Assassina- Assassination of Gianni Versace, American Crime Story, Escape at Denimora, and Sharp Objects. Okay. All right. Um, actress in a television series. I'm going to butcher her name, girl. I'm so sorry. I apologize. Catriona Balfi. <laughs> just, I just better butchered it. Better than said it, though. Elizabeth Moss, it. Julia Roberts, Carrie Russell, Sandra Oh. Sandra Oh or Julia Roberts going to win that category. Oh, Julia right Roberts, now. yeah. Best performance by an actress in a TV series. Allison Brie, Candace Bergen, Deborah Messing, Kristen Bell, Rachel Brosnahan. Um... 
actress in a limited series or made-for-TV motion picture, Amy Adams, Connie Britton, Laura Dern, Patricia Arquette, Regina King. Regina King nominated twice, y'all. And you know what? It's a lot more categories, and we're running out of time, so y'all can check them out. um, You know what I was surprised about? Like People were all saying like they were so shocked that Pose... God, not, I'm not shocked. By I'm not that. shocked at all. Mm-mm. It's Ryan Murphy. I'm Ryan Murphy is like the man when it comes all to the these things all the time, all the time. I'm not shocked. Everything by that he at does, all. except for Scream Queens. <laughs> but I we am... don't talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not shocked by that at all. But what I, what I do want to throw this out before we close out. Um, Sleepless in Seattle is celebrating an anniversary this year. It's one of my favorite movies ever, ever, ever because of Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks. Um, They had a screening this past week from the 2nd, I think, through the 5th in movie theaters. If you haven't seen it, if if it's been a while since you've seen it, please check it out. It's really worth taking another gander at. And my streaming pick of the pick of the week is Dumplin'. Ooh, why somebody calling me? <laughs> it's Dumplin'. Like, it showed up on my iPad. I'm like, no, don't call me. It's Dumplin' with uh, Jennifer Aniston. I heard she's really good in this. Okay. So, we'll, we'll see. Uh, Dan- Danielle McDonald is also in it, who I love. She was in a movie last year called Patty Cakes, which no one saw. Oh, yeah. But I, I like, love that movie, and I thought she me? was so great. And she's great in this movie, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All it's right. all based about the music of Dolly Parton. Oh, right, okay. Dublin, right. Yeah. And Do- Dolly Parton is nominated, I think, for a Golden Globe as oh, for well. For a song. For yeah, a yeah, yeah. Okay. All right, well, that we flew through this show. Yes, that we was did. fast. Yeah, oh, was my fast. goodness. Um, Philip Boutte Jr., thank you so much for coming on, my brother, and talking to us and breaking down what costume concept design is and your work and how you feel about it and all of that. <laughs> I really you appreciate and, you for and, that. And breaking stereotypes, okay? How about, yes. how about that? Let's continue to yes. do so. Thank you very much. Yes. Um, to not say like, hey, yes, I'll play gang member number five seven more times. <laughs> they wanted to know my thoughts on Kevin Hart. Um, oh, What's your let, let, me just, on let me just address that real quick. <laughs> so I feel like Kevin Hart should not have apologized. Um, I, I feel like, let me take that back. I feel like Kevin Hart should have apologized because that's what he ended up doing anyway. And his mm-hmm. whole thing was, I'm not going to apologize. And then in, in the end, he ended up doing it. I feel like he shouldn't have stepped down. I feel like if he had just taken the job, he could have he could have. Um, made it up to the LGBTQ community by doing something wonderful at the Oscars with with that community. So that's how I feel about Kevin Hart. Um, Somebody said Ethan Hawke is... I think Ethan Hawke Cup of Show is in some other nominees that I didn't mention, but we're running short on time and I really got to go because we're way over at this point. (laughs) But um, thank you again, Philip, for joining us. Thank you. Um, What was I going to say? Oh, I was going to (laughs) say... Oh, I got off a clamp. So next week will be our... Last live taping of Black Tomatoes here on Black Hollywood Live. I'm not saying it's the last show ever. I'm just saying it's the last show for 2018. So the last live taping for Black Tomatoes is next Sunday at 5 o'clock. But there will be some things airing, and I'll go through that next week since we're running on time. But for right now, I'm your host, Carla Renata. You can find me across all social media platforms at The Curvy Critic. You can also find me right after this at the General Hospital After Show. And all of my reviews are always up at the curvyfilmcritic.com. Where can we find you, Scott? Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at the other Scott M. I'm also on We Live Entertainment. It's my site, and you should go there to read all my written reviews and interviews. And uh, as always, just a pleasure to be here. Wonderful. Cool. And Philip Boutte, where can they find you on the on the social media uh, web? Twitter and Instagram at p Boutte. B O U T T E. 
That's P like in Paul, B like in boy, O-U-T-T-E. Don't be spelling this something different. <laughs> At least look his name up and get it right. All right. Well, bye, y'all. This is Carla Renata and Scott bye, Mizzou. Yeah. See you Thank next you very time. Much. From executives Kevin Undergaro, Dario Kristen, Tiana Hobson, and the entire BHL staff, we would like to thank you for supporting Black Hollywood Live, the first online broadcast network dedicated to African-American entertainment. For questions and comments, contact us. Info at BlackHollywoodLive.com. Like us on Facebook, tweet us, or Instagram us at BHL Online. And I am the official voice of Black Hollywood Live, Scipio. Instagram me at KingXOBay. Thanks for tuning in. Hollywood Redefined. The views expressed here are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of BHL or its owners or principals.